What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brandon Adamo back on the show. It is Monday the 24th, and we have some Wizards basketball to recap and some Wizards basketball to get into and look forward to for, for this week's slate of games until next Monday. But the Wizards started off this week 2-1. and one. They beat the Pacers on their opening night. Then they beat the Chicago Bulls in their home opener, but unfortunately they lost an overtime game last night on Sunday to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we're going to get into all that, preview their games for this week, and any other random topics we decide to come up with in between. But, Dama, what did you think about the uh, the Indiana Pacers game? We'll start off here. We'll start from the beginning and um, work our way through. We did do the Twitter space on Wednesday, so we don't have to spend too much time discussing this game in particular. But I did want to recap, see if you have any, any different thoughts on it in hindsight. Um, obviously, the, the big storyline around that game is going to be Halliburton and Matherin. And those two have just been tearing it up to start the season. I believe the Pacers are at one and two right now, but they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be in the conversation for uh, Victor Wembanyama. And if they can come away with him and you mix that in with the encore that they have, it's certainly a pretty promising future for them. And we discussed on our uh, preseason pod that Matherin was probably going to be our both of our second choice for pick for rookie of the year. And, um, you know, Paolo is just going to be too talented, and we'll kind of touch on him more as the season goes on as we have the, the game previews for the, the Magic and all that. But uh, Matherin certainly living up to the high expectation for him so far. And I thought that all things considered that the Pacers played a, a pretty competitive game given that they were without Miles Turner. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just quick hit on the on the Pacers game. I mean, I felt like, you know, they they never I mean, obviously they had some issues closing down the stretch, but I never felt like that game was out of hand. One, because it's the Pacers and they're so young. Um, and they're working on their fourth quarter execution and defensive principles. But um, yeah, like it was it was a game where I felt like they they could have easily won that game by fifteen, twenty points if they you know, if they weren't a unit that, you know, is still trying to figure out their identity come fourth quarters. Um, you know, as I kind of mentioned on Twitter, you know, this team is is still trying to jail. Like, again, it's been so much turnover with this roster the last four or five years. Um, different starting point guard every year. Different starting center every year. Different starting small forward every year. Like, <laughs> at some point, you know, you got you to gotta have some continuity continuity and i think that's going to help with you know your fourth quarter execution and uh um but yeah i I thought they played played a fine game up until them last like three minutes uh moving on to the chicago bulls game the the wizards did miss the opportunity to play against zach levine they've been trying to manage his um, i think it's a leg injury right that he had and they've been trying to to manage that at the start of the season. So the Wizards didn't get to see him, but they did get to see DeMar DeRozan, who always has a strong game against us. Um, Vucevic was getting literally every call in the world. And I, and I do want to talk about the refereeing against Kristaps Porzingis to start the season because I think it's been terrible, um, even in the, in the Cavs game last night. But we'll get into that. Um, anyone off the top of your head that you thought had a strong game? Maybe Kobe White, Alex Caruso, anyone else that we haven't, touched 
I mean, besides, I mean, it was really Demar and Vucevic. I mean, the fouls yeah. that they yeah. were generating that that was the game changer. Like, you know, I felt like well, we were... you used generated very loosely because they didn't generate yes. fouls. They were they yes. were rewarded fouls. They were definitely rewarded fouls. Stuff that it was just it was just phantom stuff. Like, and then on the other end, we would you would see Beal get mauled, and they would hold the whistle. Um, so yeah, it was, it was other than that. I mean, I wasn't really impressed with anybody really on their roster. Like it was, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, that, that game again, I just felt like the wizards were better. Cause I didn't watch that one live. I watched it back the next day. Um, yeah. after I kind of saw everybody had it, you know, two cents on it. Um, and yeah, I came away from it just thinking that the wizards were just a better team. Um, the, the issue was just that the fouls, like it, it was just like, damn man, if they if they if we got a fair wrestle, this is another game where I felt like they would have won it by fifteen to twenty, but it ended up being a two point game because fouls. It, it's like I, I understand that we have some guys that probably foul a lot. Like uh, I I think that a lot of the time Denny Abdia doesn't get the benefit of the doubt and he still gets called up, but he still does do a lot of the body fouls and all that, and that's actually kind of hurt them, and that actually really hurt them last night in the uh, Cleveland game. But poor Zingas, like I went back and, and I'm watching all the times that he committed fouls, and I don't know if you saw anything, but I don't know what the refs are looking at when they're rewarding calls like that. I mean, the guy is literally, I mean, literally just standing there with his hands up and they're calling stuff every time on the guy. And it wasn't just in the Bulls game. It was in the Cavs game too. And I just, from a refereeing standpoint, I don't know what they're looking at to give him those kind of calls. You're saying with Denny? With, um, with KP. Oh, with KP. Yeah, with KP, I don't get it um, at all. Like, I... I like he's going straight up and he's seven three and they're calling like the players almost like it's almost like they're calling the player reaction to getting their shot blocked. Like like the one on Spider, like I remember when he went up and tried to challenge KP at the rim, KP blocks the shot back to him and that contact you know, with the the ball getting blocked back into his arm, it caused Spider to kind of react, and then they called a foul on that, but not actually KP blocking the shot. And it was just like, what do you want him to do? Like, I, I just, it just didn't make sense. Some of the stuff is not making sense, and a lot of it, he's picking up fouls on on screens. Like, he's right. picking up like one or two fouls on what they call illegal screens, and I'm like, these screens are legal. Like, what do you? What do you want him to do? Like, I, I just, I, it's just stuff I don't understand. Like, and it's changing, it's changing the momentum of games. And hopefully, hopefully these refs, you know, they work out their kinks and, and, and they're better by midseason. Cause obviously they, you know, they need, they need some reps too. <laughs> yeah. It's frustrating too, especially on those screens, like you were saying, because I mean, it's called a handoff. I mean, that's a, a legal play where, even a defender is off is like trailing a guy hard and like the, the screener hits him and he's caught a little off guard by it. Like that shouldn't be a foul just because of the way that the person who's getting screened is reacting to it. I mean, that's kind of the whole point of doing a handoff, especially against guys that are going to be basically face guarding um, and more times often than not Beal. like, yeah, if you get hit with a screen and you're face guarding somebody like 
yeah, you're probably going to be a little bit surprised when you get hit with a screen, but that doesn't mean that that player should get rewarded. And like Donovan Mitchell had some nerve last night. And look, Donovan Mitchell's a great player. I'm not taking anything away from the guy. But there was a play where like he got hit with a legal screen. It was totally legal. And before the ref even blows the whistle, he's pointing the other way. And I'm like, wow. It's like he was just expecting it to go their way. And I'm like, it's just... It's just we haven't really been given a fair whistle. I feel like, and and I hate blaming results in games on refs, and I'm not going to do that um, for these first three because number one, we won the game where I felt like we got held the most, and then yeah. in overtime we just got completely outmatched. It wasn't like it was uh, yeah. like a, a yeah. call that was controversial and, and led to the no. yeah. result that was of on the game. Like the Cavs, the Cavs for sure got a home whistle, right? But even with that, you were in the game. You had an opportunity to take it, and you just kind of, you just kind of blew it. Um, we were down seven with under a minute and a half to go, and we came back to go into overtime. Like that's overtime. that's pretty incredible. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they did it on the defensive end. You had the Beal steal, and then a layup, and then right after that, you had the Barton steal for another layup. Like that, that puts you that that tied the game. Um, Which credit to Will think, Martin, by the way. Yeah, for sure. But I just think, uh, you know, with, with the Cavs, like that, 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 that overtime, I mean, after that KP3, like it was just like bad after bad after bad, like shot clock violation, two missed free throws, turnover, uh, a missed free throw, turnover. Um, the game over at that point, like <laughs> it was like they got outscored, I believe, two to 14 in the overtime. Like, can't happen. Well, and part of that to, to me, too, is on coaching. And I guess we've sort of transitioned into talking about this, uh, this Cavalier game and sort of what happened last night. But when, when one of your sets in overtime is to wait 22 seconds to give Will Barton the basketball and isolate him against Evan Mobley, like, to me, I'm sorry. That's just – that's not a good plan. And I don't know if that's what the initial set was. That sure as hell what it looked like. Um, I don't know if they were trying to get a Beal ISO because I think Beal was either up against – it was either Karras or Okoro, and they were trying to – maybe they were trying to ISO him, but it's like Beal didn't like an angle or whatever that he was given. And instead of, like, calling for a pick and roll or something, which is just something easy you can always go to when you're just trying to get a, a basic action in there, they, they made Will Barton go all the way across the floor to get – an ISO on the baseline against Evan Mobley, and he ended up having to throw up a contested shot. Of course, it was an air ball, and I'm just like, this, I, I, I don't understand, like, how that's what you come to, like, in overtime. If anything, like, you shout to Beal, like, hey, or, or whoever the big man is, before, hey, go screen him, go get it. Like, instead of just drawing up something like that, because it's when, I mean, most of the time you can have good sets and a good plan. But when it's like that and when it's like it's crucial, like you need to have a good set. Like if we have good sets and guys just don't make shots or whatever, I can live with that. But it just seems like a lot of the time in crunch time that there's like there's just no offensive plan. Defensively, they've been great, but that's expected. But I'm almost like even with the the first three games I've saw this season, it seems like like even in the first game with Indiana, um, I had kind of blamed the defense a little bit more, but you're you were like, "Wow, no, the offense didn't really do anything." And then in the in the second game against the Bulls, there were times where the offense wasn't doing its job. 
And then in the third game last night in overtime, I mean, they couldn't get anything going offensively. And I get that the Cavs are a good defensive team, but if the idea is to be a competitive team, then you need to be able to have good offensive games against good defensive teams. And so I'm just I'm a little concerned on what their game plan is right now on that side of the ball. Yeah, I, I just think they're still gelling with each other. Like, again, back to my initial point, like the, the continuity. Like, again, you got a new, yet again, a new year, a new starting five. A new year, a new finishing five. So they're trying to figure out where guys like the ball, what guys' tendencies are. Like, when I go here, where are you going to go? You know, when I give you this look, what you going to do? Like, they're trying to figure that out. And that's why you're seeing so many miscues. And we've heard we've heard complaints before, like, like last year, that West offense can be a little complicated, right? Um, so guys are learning it. And then it's like, it feels like when they try an initial set and it doesn't work, they kind of just get stuck. Like, they're like, oh, shit, what do we do? What do we do? Okay, uh... Okay, run an ISO. And then if that doesn't work, then you have what you saw, the shot clock violation with Will Barton. Like it was just like and what what I will get on Wes on though, it seems like when he gets a lead, like in a close game, he immediately wants to go to like a prevent type offense where they like just hold the ball. And I'm like, what do you like? It's wait. It's a lot of time left in the game. Like it's it's two minutes left in this game. It's three minutes left in this game. Why are you going to a prevent hold the ball offense where you wait until it's like ten seconds left on the on the shot clock before you actually initiate something? Like that doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't understand that line of thinking. I know a lot of coaches tend to do that, but I I'm just not in agreement with that. Like attack them. Like. Get get him foul, get him in foul trouble, or, or, or just run your set and, and go score, man. Like we don't need to do this prevent stuff with two, three minutes left in a quarter or overtime. I agree with that too, but I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that because I think that even if like the coach is like, no, let's keep putting the pressure on those guys. I mean, inevitably, what teams in the NBA do and what the Wizards always do is they always give up big leads. I mean, we've seen that literally in. Um, the the first two games, and then this past game, there really wasn't an opportunity for that because it was so close for the most part. But I mean, in the first two games, especially, I mean, they just they just mentally collapse, and then they're like, "Oh shit, it's about to be a tie game. Maybe we should start playing basketball again." And it's it's frustrating yeah, for the, sure. The, but, but I agree with you. Like, it's a mentality thing, and it starts with the coach. Like, they they need to press. Like, we cannot. We are not the team that can afford to get comfortable. You know. So I get it. Yeah, but, but the reason they've blown the leads is because of the prevent offense. Like, I felt like the Pacers game, they went prevent with three minutes left. Hold the ball, hold the ball, then jack a three. And then the, you playing right into the Pacers' hand. They take that long rebound, and they go down the court, and they get an easy wide-open three in transition. Next thing you know, your, you know, 12-point lead is now a three-point lead. And it's just yeah. like it evaporated because you're playing right into their hand. Attack them. Like, you got a size advantage. Just go get a layup. Go get a layup. Like, I, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it, it felt like with this 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 uh, 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 Cavs game in the overtime, when KP hit that three, right, the very next possession, they came down and they just held it. And it was like, okay, well, what? it's like two minutes left. What are you, what are you doing? Like, it was like they 
we're like, okay, we're going to hold the ball and then we're going to shoot a last second three and then that'll put us up four with less than a minute to go. I'm, I'm thinking that's what Wes maybe was thinking. But it's like, that's not what happened. It, what, you, what you did was you, you got a shot clock violation and then the Cavs came down the court and then they scored. Well, I think it was they gave up an and one, something like that. And then now, now you're down two. And it's just like, like, why? Just run your offense, man. Run your offense. Do you think that they overcomplicate the offense in general? And the only reason I ask that is because I know that we got on Scott Brooks a lot of the time for not really having a plan on that end, but that's because they didn't really have the talent. And now it appears that they do to where I feel like if we had the Scott Brooks offense with this team, I feel like it would be pretty effective. Now, I'm not here going to be saying I'd rather have Scott Brooks than Wes Unsell Jr. because that's not true. But what, what I'm wondering is if, is if maybe they should dumb it down because I don't understand how you have a 7-3 KP at his size and he barely gets any touches in the second half. Like even if it's just like two or three possessions, you go to him in the post in a row and we say, okay, like let's see what you can do here. Like you know damn well Scott Brooks would be making him a focal point more than – West Unsell Jr. has been. So I, I just uh, – do, do you think that, like, certain guys aren't getting enough looks or do you think it's sort of an overcomplicated offense? Like, what's kind of your thoughts on that at this point? I think guys are getting the looks and the touches, but it's, it's, it's so hard. Like, it's difficult. And they don't have to make it difficult. Like, it's like they're waiting for the circumstances to be perfect before they go ahead and run the play. Like, they clearly want to establish KP, right, in these moments. Like, that's their first go. That's the first option. Give it to KP in the post. But it's like, my frustration with that, they're trying to post KP like he's Joel Embiid. And he's banging and banging and banging. And you're giving time for the defense to set on you, you know. And KP is working hard as hell trying to get post position. And all of that time, you wasting the clock. You wasting the clock. And then they turn around, and if he doesn't get perfect post position, then they just scrap it. Then they go in scramble mode, and they're like, oh, fuck, what do we do now? And it ends up either a turnover because Bill is trying to create something, and then he either doesn't shoot it and, and then goes into this jump pass, and like the guys are sitting on that, and it's a turnover. Um, so it's like, yo, why are you trying to post KP that low? Just give it to him high post, right? It's no resistance. Let him turn and face the defender. Now he got options. He can see the double team coming. He can see shooters to kick it to. Or he can make a move and just beat a guy with his quickness. Or just shoot right over top of him. I'd rather that than us wasting eight seconds of the shot clock trying to post him like he prime shot. Like, it's a waste of time. And it's like, just get to it, man. Just give him the ball at the high post, at that elbow. Let him turn and face. And now you got all types of options off of that. Um, and, and it's like, they just, they just making it hard. You don't have to make it hard, man. The dude's 7-3. What's been your, um, your opinion on the, the way that they've handled the rotation and lineup so far this year? Do you like the starters? Would you make a change? I know personally, I was a little shocked when Denny got the start on opening night. I know that based off the 
the videos that the Wizards Twitter account had been putting out. I know that people had been taking note like that was a real possibility. But at the time, I was like, eh, it's just practice. They're going to try and mix different guys in. Um, but obviously a surprise there for, for me personally for Denny to start because I thought it was either going to – like he was fourth for me because I thought it was either going to be Barton, Rui, or Gill. Um, I didn't think it was going to be Denny at, at all at any point. So, but, but it seems like a smart decision if the guy can just stay out of foul trouble, which, again, has been a, a problem for him. And he's not the only one that's had that problem. And I still think Denny overall, I mean, he's the best defender on the team by far. I'm, I'm not here to attack Denny's defense or anything. But are there any other changes you would make to it at this point? I mean, one thing for me I know that I would do as I would start DeLon Wright instead of Monte Morris. That I know I would do immediately, but I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, so uh I mean Diddy always made the most sense as the as the as the guy to kind of be the glue guy fit in that in that starting five. It was just a matter of, okay, well he's he hasn't really had a lot of time because he got hurt. He hasn't played in preseason. But yeah, every time I saw him in the uh in the jerseys, it looked like he was running with the starters every time, like multiple days, multiple clips. Every time I saw it, I saw Will Barton with the bench guys and I saw Denny with the starters. And then, so, you know, I know it doesn't always happen that way or matter, but it, it seems like in this case it mattered. Right. Like, so then he then he ended up being a starter even while not playing any preseason uh, with the guys. So but, yeah, I just think. Uh, logically, it makes sense because he's your best starter. He's your best defender at the wing, and you know, in a in a on a team with Kuzma, Beal, KP as your scorers, you need a guy in there that's going to take those assignments, defend, rebound, and then hopefully his his shot can progress where he can make that corner three because he's going to get a lot of those looks on kickouts. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense with him. I just think with the bench unit. They got to figure out these Anthony Gill minutes, like, because they're bad. They're really bad. He's playing out of position at small forward. He's out there trying to guard shifty players and stuff. And he looks like he looks like an old man. Like he (laughs) like he has zero shot moving his feet against wing players in the NBA. He was much better, much more useful when he was like a four or a small ball five. Um. Cause there he didn't have he wasn't at such a quickness disadvantage, um. So yeah, they got to figure this out. Like I didn't think missing not having Corey Kispert was gonna be this big of a deal, but yeah, they gotta they gotta figure those Anthony Gill minutes out, um, immediately. Would you make a switch at point guard, or would you keep it the same? I mean, to be fair, they they don't have a problem with starting games, but. I guess they could always just use more of a defensive presence. And, and, and they close with right. I think that's going to be a theme that's probably going to continue. Uh, so maybe don't make the switch for the starters and the closing lineup has been good. But because um, I, I feel like when DeLon Wright plays with the bench, he's expected to do more than he's capable of. Like they want him to be a, a main ball handler and – cross someone up, make a move. And I feel like that's more of Morris's thing than Wright's as to where Wright can fit perfectly with the starters because he's never going to be the primary ball handler. You let him chill off ball and then you just let him defend the other team's best perimeter player or, or, or best guard because we know that Denny's going to have that assignment. So that, yeah, that's how I look at it. The starting unit is, is right now is a top four starting unit in the NBA. Like it's it's the Pelicans, 
the Warriors, the Suns, and then the Wizards as far as starting five efficiency. Right, um, baby. The, the starting five is balling, man. Um, it's the bench that's the issue, right? So it's like, and it, even though Morris is technically the starter, he's he, like you said, he's not finishing games. They're both, both of the point guards are playing about the same minutes. They're splitting those, you know, 48 minutes kind of evenly. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I would say though, I would like to see, like you said, the, I would like to see Morris get more time with the second unit because it seems like they're missing uh, a, a shot creator. Like it's taking them a lot of, uh, it's it's difficult for them to kind of get into things and get, it's like, it's like Rui is either Rui hot or it's like they, they deer and hair like headlights, man. Um, Cause I remember at one point during the game against the Cavs, Rui was like four of eight. And like the rest of the the the, the rest of the whole bench was like four of twenty or something like that. Like it was it was bad. Um, so they they gotta. I think Monte would help with that because he's a shot maker, and then he can he can get guys in their spots to deliver them the ball. And right now they don't really they don't really have that element. So. Um, Delon Wright's actually getting more minutes per game than Monte Morris right now, which is actually surprising to me. Um, I'm not shocked by that. Yeah, like what, what's the splits? It's uh, Wright's at 25 and Morris is at 24-7. Are you talking about shooting splits? No, 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 the, uh, the minute, minute splits. Okay, yeah, yeah. You said 25 for Wright and 24 for Morris? Yeah, 24-7. Yeah, yep. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Brad DeLon Deville's- is really DeLon is really the starter if we're if we're if we're being honest. Like DeLon is yeah. really the starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I know that Wizards fans have been saying really before the season started, like this guy may need to get more minutes uh than Monte Morris or at least start. And so even though he's not starting, he's finishing and he's getting more minutes. Um, you know, you combine that with the the starters being as good as they are, you know, perhaps you you don't make a switch there. So I'll retract that statement and say leave it as it is as long as Wright continues to get more minutes and um, and close games. But right now, I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they do need to figure out the bench. The Anthony Gill minutes have been awful, and I know they're probably going to lose some size, but put Johnny Davis out there and, and just see what what he can do. Um, that, that's honestly what I would do at this point because Gill is giving you nothing. He's bricking every three. He looks lost on the defensive end. If you're going to have someone go out there and do that, like put someone out there who's still young and can hopefully learn and improve off those things. That's my line of thinking anyway. Um, zero roster upside with Anthony Gill playing small forward. And it's like, <laughs> if, if, if you don't want to play the young guy because you don't think he's already fine, then put Taj Gibson in. But you can't continue to to give Anthony Gill these minutes. And he's only clocking 12 minutes a game, but those are 12 minutes a game that are very good minutes for the other team. And so they, they, they need to, to figure out a change there. And hopefully Kispert can come back soon because they're definitely missing him. But for now, like, you got to be proactive and, and come up with a solution. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know, then at least we can't say that you didn't try to make a switch, but you can't continue to try to Anthony Gill out there in that position with, with those minutes because they're absolutely killing the Wizards. Definitely. 
Yeah, it's 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 really to me it's dragging the whole second unit plus minus down. Yeah, (laughs) it's dragging them down, man. It's dragging them down. And it's so weird because like this was a guy that the past two years that has never really had a bad minute. Like we gave him nothing but praise. I felt like especially for the role he was playing and and what he was being asked to do. Like I am I am shocked that he's been this bad. Now I know our our friend Matt Moderno is not going to be shocked because he is. an anti-Anthony Giller, but I was always like, hey, he played solid minutes. Like, and we even said, like, or I said in the offseason that if Rui was going to come back acting like a dud this year, then put Anthony Gill in shit because he, he maybe will be better. Um, certainly not the case, at least how we've seen so far at the beginning of the season. But uh, Anthony Gill, definitely a, uh, a, a tough outing to start the year. But they, they, they need to make a change because it's going to get to a point where if the bench keeps making you lose games, people are going to get frustrated. And not only that, but then your, your win-loss, your record is not going to be good because say, well, the Wizards are playing really good and they seem to have some nice pieces off the bench. What's the problem? So, you know, it's, they need to make a change. Um, definitely agree with that. I think everyone is in agreement on that at this point. For sure. Um, games this week. So another pretty, I guess you could say easier slate of games. Let me pull it up here. I think we play rebuilding teams this week. And then I think, who do we have? We have the Pistons. Oh yeah. The Pistons, the Pacers, uh, both those games are home. And then we have the Celtics on, I think Sunday. So, um, Pistons tomorrow. What are you thinking for that game? I'm going to give the Wizards a win. Although I do worry about any team we face that has uh, attacking guards, point guards, um, point guards that can just really get in the lane, put pressure on the rim, and and Jaden Ivey, man, like he he does that. yeah, so I do worry about that matchup for Monte Morris. Uh, yeah, so you might I, – I would not be surprised if, if, if we get early subbed along right in the game because, um, yeah, Jaden Ivey going to be out for blood, man. What kind of – what have you made of the, the Detroit Pistons so far? I mean, we know that they had a, a pretty good offseason, right? I mean, you have year two of Cade. You added Jade and Ivy so that they have a, a backcourt you can really look forward to. They added to their, their big man core, and now they have not only Isaiah Stewart, but Jalen Duren as well. Um, you mix that in with a couple other guys. They re-signed Marvin Bagley, even though he's hurt right now. But I feel like this Pistons team is uh, hopefully on, on the up. You know, they, they've had some, some really rough years, and I know that there was a lot of questions about Cade last year because there were, there were times where he just did not look like he was worthy of the number one overall pick, but hopefully some backcourt help can help relieve some of that responsibility. And, um, you know, hopefully that they can continue to improve and one day they will be a playoff team. But what have you made of the Pistons so far this year and the young core they got going on? Yeah, from what I've been able to watch um, on, on the free league pass, uh, they uh, – Cade hasn't taken that step that I thought he was going to take this year. Or that I, I feel like a lot of people thought he was going to take. Like, I thought Cade was going to, like, explode. Like, on some, like, 
like like some Luca, like not not Luca level, but like uh, um, I don't know, like where, where I felt like he was going to be like a twenty three seven and seven type player on decent sure. efficiency, um, kind of playing that you know uh, point forward role just you know do a little bit of everything um with everything centered around his ability to score play make at six foot eight i haven't really seen that i i haven't really seen that he looks a little he's not that explosive um uh it, it just i don't know it just seems difficult for him to kind of get create space and, and get to his spot so uh yeah i i don't know about him i, I i've kind of my expectations for him have dropped a little bit. Whereas, like, when he was coming out the draft, I was like, man, he's like a point guard version of Jason Tatum. Yeah, he he ain't that. <laughs> he ain't that. At least not right now. Um, you know, when I watch them, I, I see Jada Ivy, and I'm more impressed with him as far as, like, his ability to just get to a spot and, and the gravity he has because of his 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 athleticism. Um I come away more impressed with Ivy than I do K Cunningham. I'll give you three guesses. Who's leading the uh, Pistons in scoring right now? I'm going to say Bojan. You are. That was a wild card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 19 games for, um, mm-hmm. for Bojan. 19.3. Um, second in scoring is Bojan. Um, third is Sadiq at 18, and then fourth is Ivy at 17-7. Yeah, both buckets, man. He 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 gets buckets, right? Like he 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 perfect for what what they're trying to do. Like they're tr- I felt like they're trying to build like a kind of what the the Mavs are doing with Luca, where you got a rim attacking sidekick guard, Dinwiddie, Ivy. Uh, you got shooting with Bay. And and Bojan, and then you got a you know rim running big, right? So like K got the players, but he not being the guy that I think he needs to be yet. So, uh, yeah, they they got a nice young talented squad though, but they just K got to get to that level that made him the number one pick, and then they'll then they'll go to another step. Um, Indiana again. I am going to give the Wizards a win. I think that they'll make an adjustment for their three-point shooting, and they really couldn't do much other than that against us. They're still a young team, and they do have some nice young players that you and I both really like, and I know that a lot of Wizards Twitter really likes as well. Um, But I'm going to say that the Wizards have another big game, and this time they don't let them come back. I'm going to give the Wizards the win in that one. Yeah, I think I'm gonna do the same. These are these are these are teams that you're t- more talented than. You should beat beat them. Um, we've already talked about Indiana a lot last episode, so we're not going to really get into them. But um, and we did a, a season preview for our next opponent, Boston, so we don't have to touch on them too much. But I don't believe that Boston's lost a game yet. Uh, so I think they're one of the – let me check this real quick. I know that before our game last night, there was like eight undefeated teams left in the NBA and only like three or four in the East. Let me see. Um, the only two undefeated teams undefeated teams left in the East are Boston and Milwaukee. Boston's 3-0, and Milwaukee's 2-0. and And then in the West, Utah and Portland. I uh, did not see that coming, at least for Utah anyway. 
Uh, well, really for Portland either. But the Celtics, uh, you know, I'm going to give them the loss against the, the Celtics. I don't. I think that the Celtics, even with after head coach and all the drama they've had, um, Gallinari's out. But I still think that the Celtics are a better team than the Wizards. So I'm going to give the Celtics the win. It wouldn't surprise me if the Wizards win, but it's in Boston. Um, it's probably going to be an early afternoon game. I'm going to give the Celtics the win. Uh, oh no! Is that, is that a? Is that a? Are we coming off a back to back with that? When do we play? When is when is that? When is that? That game fall on the schedule. So Tuesday we play Detroit. Friday we play Indiana. Um, Sunday and Monday are back to backs, but the we play the Celtics at six p.m. on Sunday, and then um, we have the Sixers on Monday at seven. You know what, man? I'm going to get crazy, man. I'm going to say they beat the Celtics. Okay. Three in a row. I like it. And then people are going to start drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all things considered, though, I would say definitely more of um, a positive for for the Wizards uh, than negative. Obviously, coming off the – the week two and one. If they want to keep having two and one weeks for the rest of the season, I mean that's that's fine by me. I'll take winning sixty six percent of your games. Uh, obviously, they're they're not going to do that. But um, all in all, it's all first week. Hopefully, they can build off it. Um, I would really like them in the second week to get Porzingis a little bit more involved. I feel like they do a good job of going to him at the beginning of games, and then they just don't really make him a priority after that. And he he just has a ton of gravity. Like, like they they have to be willing to give him the ball a little bit more, um, play at a faster pace. It still seems like the theme from last year where Kuzma's trying to run and everyone else is like, nah. So, yeah, um, I think the, the quick and easy buckets will help them. And then, obviously, we, we need to see the three-point defense improve because it first, still, for some reason, it's a, it's a theme under Scott Brooks. It's a theme under Wes and So Jr. They just don't want to guard the three-point line. And that's, that's got to change this week. Um, one positive thing is the Wizards are above average right now for three-point shooting, just the attempts aren't there. So they need to get some more three-point attempts as well. Yeah, see, I'm not sure that's going to change because I don't, I don't see them as – but this roster being a high-volume three-point shooting team, and I don't know if I want them to be because their advantage is their size. Um, they need to use that. They need to be one of the best teams in the league in paint points, um, which I think they are. And then as far as the three-point defense, uh, a lot of that I feel like is coming off them initially contesting well, and then it's, they don't get the rebound, and then it's a kick out to a guy wide open, right? And that, to me, is an issue with the rebound, and not so much that they're not contesting. Um, because these long rebounds, you know, you're scrambling for a rebound, and then you don't get it, and always somebody wide open for the three. That's the stuff they got to stop. Like, I feel like if they improve their rebounding, that three-point defense will look a lot better because their their initial half-court defense has been really impressive. Yeah, um, the second-chance opportunities uh, definitely got to get minimized for the opponents. And again, it's it sucks when you don't have that strong of rebounders in the middle. Like, uh, Kuzma's probably, Kuzma and Beal are probably our two best rebounders, and that's in the kind of conversation that includes a, a seven-footer and a seven-foot-three guy. So 
um, that it's definitely not good. And we knew that they weren't the strongest rebounders in the world, but then that means, you know, you guys got to make sure that you're boxing out. You know, everyone needs to make sure that they're doing their part to, to rebound and help out. And I understand sometimes like there's long rebounds and everyone's in the paint. Sometimes you just get an unlucky bounce and that is what it is. But when it continuously is a problem, that means you need to make an adjustment. So um, hopefully we definitely see an adjustment from them in that regard this week. Before we cut this one, is there anything else you got? Uh, no, that's all I got, man. Uh, I'm, I'm three games in, man. I'm, I'm satisfied. They can be better, obviously, but I'm satisfied. Yeah, you beat two teams that I think at this point you can confidently say that you're better than, especially with the Bulls being without Levine. Um, even with the Cavs being without Garland, it still seems like the Cavs are um, a better team, and at minimum they took it to overtime. Even though they embarrassed themselves in overtime, they still took it there. So um, props to the guys for what I would say is a, a, a solid first week and hopefully they continue to to build on that and have even a, a better second week here but thank you guys for listening if you aren't already subscribed please make sure that you are leave us a five-star review leave us a comment um and that'll do it for us here today but thanks for listening and we'll see you next time